There is a big difference between listening and hearing. The one is a discipline. We can choose to listen. We can pay attention. We can stop speaking. That one is what happens when we open ourselves up. It's a discipline. To hear, though, is a grace. That moment when we understand, when we see beauty, when we encounter the divine other, the depth for which the depth within us longs, that is just a gift. That's hearing. The challenge is that we have to be listening to hear God. God isn't one to shout or demand our focus. So many days, even when I pray, my posture is hurried and productive. I pray so I can calm myself down or express a need or receive guidance or pat my ego on the back. When I do pray, I so rarely listen. And when I do listen, it's rarer still that I hear. And those moments come unexpectedly, maybe most often in the night. As it says in our text, in our day too, the word of the Lord can be rare and visions are not widespread, but God is speaking. Whether you fail to listen or listen but have yet to hear, or if you've heard but remained as you've always been, let us all keep silence together. So we're in the season of Epiphany, which is about light and a revealing. So here we are in the Hebrew text looking for a revealing of God to us. And we hear it today through this story of Samuel. So always listen in these texts for anything about light and always listen to anything about a revealing now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, 
go lie down. And if God calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. You have heard the ancient story. I have already heard this morning's sermon about a half dozen times in the opening litany and Amy's prayer and J.D.'s confession and the children's time in the anthem. I hope you've heard it too. We could go home, but you know I dare not pass up an opportunity to speak to you. So listen to it a seventh time. What are you doing here? I mean, really, why are you here? Here we are in 2024, almost a quarter of the way through the 21st century. Can you believe that? It's a Sunday morning, the one day you do not have to get up early and go to work or get the kids out the door to the school, out the door to school. And instead of enjoying a $6 Starbucks mocha frappe latte and the New York Times crossword, you are sitting on a hardwood bench reading a 2,500-year-old story from the Old Testament, listening to 400-year-old organ music, singing 150-year-old hymns, and giving this 60-year-old white Baptist minister 15 minutes or a little more of your hard-earned time. What are you doing here? I'm asking a bit playfully, but I kind of mean this. It's a question I asked Amy not long ago. What are we doing here? Are we making any difference? What are we doing with our lives in this place? More and more people are giving up on, uh, on church altogether. In our sophisticated chat GPT culture, if God is not completely out of style, going to church certainly is. 30 years ago, I heard Bill Gates say that an hour in church on Sunday morning was just not an efficient use of his time. And God knows what we need in this country is for everyone to be efficient with every minute of their time. Just work a few more stressful hours. Make sure every minute is about making money. I'm sure that would fix all of our problems. No church is not an efficient use of your time. I will agree with Mr. Microsoft about that. What are you doing here? When I tell you that I love this church and love being your pastor, one of your pastors, I mean that. After 24 Christmas celebrations here, even after 24 annual budget campaigns, I mean that. But we fit an interesting niche in the church world that goes right to the question I'm asking you this morning. What are we doing here, Park Road Baptist Church? Now, I don't want you to hear this as woe is me, but you're not the easiest congregation to pastor. I do love you, so let me explain what I mean by that. Long before Amy and I became your pastors, this church moved on from its Southern Baptist roots for a lot of good theological reasons. Can I get an amen? So that's not our niche in the world. Personal evangelism, 
soul-saving, hellfire and damnation preaching, walk-in-the-aisle revivals and altar calls. That's not what we're about. On the other hand, we seem not fully comfortable living into our label as theologically progressive. We kind of like that idea. You know we're not them. But after all these years, we're still not comfortable enough to be an activist congregation. Amy and I don't preach quite woke enough. You're not out marching with Black Lives Matter every weekend. Gosh, we don't even have a recycling committee. Years ago, my sister's son was engaged and someone said to us, Oh, y'all are going to love his fiance. She's liberal. And Amy said, what do you mean liberal? And they said, she recycles. <laughs> kind of defines things in Clinton, South Carolina. To put it a little starkly, if we're not trying to keep people out of hell, but not quite willing to go to jail for our protest, what are we doing here? What are you doing here? This isn't one of my emotional moments. I just wanted to give you a moment to think about that. What are you doing here? Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not unhappy with who we are. And don't get the idea that Amy and I are going anywhere anytime soon. Until you run us off, you're probably stuck with us. But I do think our particular brand of church puts us in an interesting place. Theologically, we would have to be regarded as pretty liberal, but we have not followed what most liberals see as the obvious implications of that theology regarding political and social change. It's an interesting place, kind of in the middle. At the start of a new year, people tend to think about new directions or initiatives or challenges. As a church, we might want to use this as a chance to think about who we are, what our real calling is here on the corner of Park and Ashcraft. What is our driving vision? What passions unite us? What will drive us forward and together for the coming year? Now, one thing that has characterized this congregation, and for a lot more years than Amy and I have been in this pulpit, one distinctive of Park Road has been our focus on community. Now, I'm not talking about the community out there. That's also been a focus. But even more central than a missions focus has been a focus on community within these walls. There is a warmth of love for one another that I can feel all the time. It's not found in all churches. That this is important to you, I believe, shines through in all the right ways. Thank you. Our world will only become more independent and isolated. Technology virtually guarantees that that will be so. So we will need our community to shine through even brighter. And this coming year, well, I don't even want to think about it. We will need community. But community is not enough for a church. We can be defined, we cannot be defined only by the community that exists within these walls. You can get community in a good neighborhood. 
with the regulars at your coffee shop or the bar or the club. And I do not discount that kind of fellowship. It is important. People need community wherever they can find it. In our secularizing world, more and more people will find their support outside of the church, in those places, good for them. But church is supposed to be different. I believe church is a different kind of community. So why are we here? Today's Bible story was one of my favorites as a child. Maybe it was because I could see myself in Samuel, a boy who wanted to hear God. Now please do not discount that story as some naive and antiquated Bible schmeibel gobbledygook. Listening for the voice of God, as the world's mystics have told us, is a means of finding ourselves. Meister Eckhart in the 12th century, boldly described a godness of the self that sounds like Carl Jung, who once said, For in this breakthrough it is bestowed upon me that I and God are one. Now that's not heresy. It's just deep reality. Finding God is finding the self. To know yourself would be to finally know God. In his atheistic screed called The End of Faith, Sam Harris identifies the same important principle when he says there is clearly a sacred dimension to our existence and coming to terms with it could well be the highest purpose of human life. Well, amen, Brother Harris. Atheists need to identify the sacred in life? Yeah. Atheists need God as much as the rest of us do. But what kind of God? What kind of God will we offer that faithful Christians and jaded Christians and agnostic spiritualists and atheists who believe in the sacred, what kind of God will we offer that they might all hear? What kind of God? Elia Delio names the problem. She, a good Catholic, says, we have imagined and created a powerful divine being whose name is God and who lives in heaven and watches over us. We built churches and composed prayers to a God who reigns almighty from above, a God who is all-powerful and all-knowing, a God who protects the faithful and judges the fallen. The quicker we can dispel this mythic God, the greater the chance of discovering the real God. Discovering the real God means listening, like young Samuel, for the voice of the divine wherever, whenever, however God speaks. Now I've told you that my encounter with some theologians and thinkers who are new to me have given me more excitement about God than I have had in a long time. I have languished in a world suffering the slow death of an antiquated God, but I am hearing new voices. 
As Amy and I were driving home yesterday from Lynchburg, thank you for trusting us with some time away to write and read. I was listening to Rebecca Parker. She spoke to me. She's a trained cellist and a theologian, a former Methodist pastor and a retired seminary president who thinks and writes about God. And she said this to me yesterday, God is the one who has experienced every moment, every moment of joy or suffering, every raindrop, every spring blossom coming into bloom, every shift in the tides, in all of the planets, of all of the galaxies, in all of the universe, or of the multi-universes. God is the experiencer who holds and then holds together all that is in such a way that God is holding up all that is moment by moment, making available to everything in creation a proposal of how to be in the next moment. God is an artist making proposals for the universe, for patterns of vitality and unity and life and repair justice and beauty, the container, the all-holding one. I think the great experiencer who holds all things and makes proposals for how we might experience vitality and unity and life and repair, I think this is the kind of God that might even save a world dying a slow death of financial success but utter meaninglessness. The poet who calls herself Uriah Mountain Dreamer speaks of this calling of God, not unlike the voice Samuel heard. She says, I have heard it all my life, a voice calling a name I recognize as my own. And she urges us to be ever listening, ever responsive. Let yourself be one of the God-mad faithful only to the beauty you are. What are we doing here? This year, let us commit to listen together that we might be a community of the God-mad. May it be so. Amen.